My grandma has always said, it's wonderful that you have so many friends, and I agree with her. During the pandemic, I realized how much I miss seeing the people who make my life so bright and interesting, and I wanted to find a way to introduce all of these stars to the world. And so I created this podcast. You, dear listener, will get a chance to be introduced to those who make my world hum with possibility. We will talk about serious things, silly things, sad things, glorious things, and things that make us feel alive. So settle in. It's just you and me. Hello, everyone. We are back. We're excited. We're ready. Laura, you're here. I want you to tell me who you are and how we know each other. Uh, I am Laura Ralston, and I live in Denver, Colorado. Um, And how do I know Julie? I'll tell you more about myself in a little bit, I'm sure. Uh, we met at seminary mm-hmm. in my very first memory of Julie. And I don't know if you remember this or oh not. Um, yes. we actually lived on the same floor in, uh, Slashman hall, RIP, um, two doors apart from each other. Yes. Correct. Uh, and the first time I met you, I told you, you had a lovely voice and you said, huh? Okay. And then I thought that like a, was really like a talking voice or a singing voice. What was singing the singing voice? You used to just oh. sing in your apartment. Yeah, probably. And I would hear you. And I told you you had a lovely voice, and you yeah. were like, "Ha, it's okay." And you didn't care that I thought you no. had a lovely singing voice. I can't. I'm very bad at compliments. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was my first interaction with you in seminary. Yeah, and we were we were in it was IDP was second quarter right or was it first quarter yeah identity power and difference was um winter quarter that was a ride and it was <laughs> it was a ride <laughs> um we had some really hard times in that class yeah the the pedagogy which to be honest i actually quite love um i didn't love it when i was in it but um of ilif more or less is to break you down and build you back up so yeah uh, IDP was definitely one of those where it was like, let's talk about all the things that you're privileged in and why you potentially are a big asshole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And fun fact, <laughs> I, I, ta- I taught the class my last, um, you did? I did my last quarter at ILIF. I taught it with Julie Todd. Oh my God. That's the dream. And how did it go? How did, cause we did not have the best experience how did it go for you as a professor well it was interesting because I taught it with the person who we took it from one of the people yeah. we had we had Edward Antonio and Julie Todd yeah um like a power power hitters at ILF <laughs> yes um so I taught it with Julie we we taught it to journey students so it was online mm. um except for then a week in person and so imagine all of the emotional things from that class. So that class is very, very emotional. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of hard topics and subjects. Yeah. Uh, basically all of the activities we did that elicited the emotional response in yeah. that course. Yeah. Um, we redid and did that in a span of a week. Oh my God. Which Ugh. was, it was, a, it was a lot. And um, why I mean, did you I get to do this? At some point, I was actually at ILIFT graduation and Julie Todd texted me, hey, do you want to teach identity power and difference? And I 
said yes and she was not expecting me to say yes and part of it was um why I thought well I'll I'll give this a try was I'm not sure that I've hit my terminal degree that I Hmm. was I was sort of feeling out like do I want to teach in the future the answer is no that (laughs) class taught me a lot about how I don't want to. Listen, it's like I always tell students, an internship is the greatest thing you could do because you might find out you absolutely hate whatever you thought you wanted to do. And thank yes. God you're getting that done out of the way now. Yes. Um, I didn't mind some of the online teaching, but then when we got to the hard parts in the in-person, uh-huh. it was hard. It was very, very difficult. And yeah. Um, yeah. so there... It, it definitely dissuaded me from say a PhD. I might still do a practical doctorate. I don't know. I don't know that Whatever. I need to. You got time. No more yeah. And you've got a lot, you've got a lot to do. So, you know, you have a lot of time on your hands. You have nothing else you're doing in your life. Tell me a little bit about that. Tell me what you do with yourself, both for money and also for fun and maybe <laughs> a little about your family. Yeah. So um, I work for the university of Denver. So I am in academia. I've been in higher education, um, specifically graduate recruitment and admissions for the last eight years. Mm-hmm. And so I actually do graduate recruitment and admissions for a college, the College of Arts, Humanities, and Social Sciences. So um, really my wheelhouse because I have an undergrad degree in religion mm-hmm. and a master's degree and I have a master of arts in social change um, mm-hmm. from ILIF. Um not sure how I ended up in higher ed, but I really like it and I'm happy with that. Uh, The thing I do on the side is I work with Lady Justice Brewing Company um, here in Denver. I like to just do all of the things in Excel spreadsheets, Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of the operation stuff. And um, I like to do more with that, but I don't have time because I have a family. And my family's my first priority. So right. my wife and I have been married for six and a half Gosh. years. Wow. Yeah. Also, can wild. you just can you just share? And I feel like, I mean, as I watch TikTok all the time now, I feel like your proposal story, a very quick version of it, is like the most lesbian <laughs> proposal story ever. Primarily because I've seen multiple videos of what happened to y'all like on the TikTok. So please just really quickly explain what, what happened. Yeah. So, um, we both knew that we were both planning to propose in some way, shape or form. (laughs) So, uh, at that point we had actually consolidated finances. It's a long story. My wife's not great with money. She would tell you that. So I, I took over, I took over for, uh, uh, it while we were living together. Mm-hmm. And so we had one credit card and we both knew that a ring had been purchased. So there's <laughs> the backstory for that. And, um, I had a plan to, we were, we we're actually going to a wedding in Portland of one of Aaron's mm-hmm. friends from, um, mm-hmm. college. I had a plan. It was like, Aaron loves books. I mean, this was not well thought out. I gotta be honest. So Aaron loves books. I'm going to propose in Powell's bookstore. Yeah. And, um, that's really as far as I got with yeah. that. Like, it's yeah. like, I'm, I'm, oh, that's not true. I was going to pro- propose at 11, 11, oh. um, 11, 11 is very meaningful for her. Her mm. it was really good number for her grandma. Um, mm. she's, she, 
really into 1111. So also she's going to be on the pod at some point. We're going to talk at some point, which I'm really excited about. Yes. Yes. Yep. So she might tell more about her 1111 significance okay. then. Um, okay. So that was as far as I got. That's yep. going to be great. Um, meanwhile, she has determined that she's going to propose in Powell's bookstore <laughs> and invites as many friends who want to come who live in, the, we have a lot of friends and family in the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. um, I have a lot of family in the Pacific Northwest in Portland specifically. She also mm -hmm. flies my mother from Illinois to come be at this proposal. And she has like found the perfect spot in the bookstore because religion and psychology are next to each other. Oh my God. And there's like, oh, there she's like figured out there's a little space for everybody to stand. Yeah. And religion in psychology plays into her whole, I, I have the religious studies background. She has a psychology background. Um, so we go to breakfast and like our friends who are meeting us for breakfast that morning are, um, very late and i am stressing out because i have to be there because i'm proposing at 11 11. yeah the, yeah the people we are meeting um she's the only person who knows we're both proposing <laughs> but the they're like to me the both proposing part is the lesbian thing because it's just like <laughs> it's like come on seriously like of course you're totally on the same page and like like the romance is so aligned that's yes yes, yes. Um, so finally Barbara and Dan get there to breakfast and I'm, I'm like, I'm texting her Bar and Aaron's texting her because there are people meeting us at a specific time at Powell's. So Aaron wants to like, know when to tell them to be there. Um, they show up, our breakfast is thankfully fast and delicious. Uh, Good. the Good. tin shed, I think. <gasps> I've been in the tin shed. Oh, it's that so place good. Delightful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's where I ate breakfast that morning. Okay. Um, we get to Powell's and Aaron's like best friend from high school and her longtime partner, they really should be married by, I mean, they're married because they've been together forever. Right. But yeah, they're yeah. not. Yeah. Um, so Caitlin and Paul are in the parking deck at Powell's. I'm like, why are Caitlin and Paul here? And Aaron goes, Oh, I didn't know they were coming. Oh God. <laughs> like, so we go in, uh, a door at Powell's and end up in um, just an area where like we end up on the elevator. Cause when, then we come out of the elevator, I was like, that looks like my cousin. He lives in Portland. How random is that if we run into him? Oh my God. And we, we were there like for a, such a short amount of time. I didn't broadcast to my family like, hey, we're going to be in Portland. Right. right. I think I told them, hey, we're going to be in Portland and I'm sorry, I can't see you because we don't have much time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, it was my cousin and his wife and child. <laughs> um, so anyway, we get there. It's pretty early. We, I go around the, Aaron, Aaron's like, oh, you know, let's go around here and there. And like, she's trying to avoid all of the people that are there for the proposal. I round a corner and there's like my mom and all my family and everybody. And then all I can remember that Aaron said to me was she like had read a story about marrying your libraries. And so she said she gave me the book uh, that of the short story do you really have to when you do marry your libraries you have to think really long and hard about like if you have duplicate yeah. copies yeah. do you keep both or do you get yeah. rid of one and all of those things mm -hmm. and she said will you marry my library <laughs> so that's what she said in the middle of and were you like what the fuck where my plan is also to 
propose to you right now. Well, we got through all of that. And I just like kept checking my phone and <laughs> kept <laughs> because I had a timer set. Because there's 11 11. Oh, I have an alarm set for 11 11. It's like 11 03. And I'm like, well, this is not helpful. So we like make small talk, but I do. I just kept looking at my phone. Like it's this time is going so slowly. Oh my God. And finally my cousin said to me, why do you keep looking at your phone? And I, and that, then the alarm went off and it was 11 11. I was like, because I have a timer set to propose to Aaron at 11 11. And then we all walked across the street and we ate pizza and had a cake from nothing but cake. Whose ring was, which, which of you bought the ring that was on the receipt? Oh, I, well, because because I I knew she she had bought a ring. Who knew that, did you, either of you know that this was happening to each other? Well, I mean, we had one credit card, so I knew that she, she had asked me, she was like, can I put a thousand plus dollars on our credit card? Okay. So you had a feeling it might be happening. You just didn't know when. Correct. <laughs> and yeah. it was 10 minutes before you were going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so it worked the real out well. story that we're, the real story that we're, thank you for sharing that. Cause I, <laughs> I'm just tickled every time I hear it. The real story that we're going to talk about is, and I totally interrupted you, but you have a third member. Well, you have uh, multiple well, members. And then we got a cat. Her name is, yes. yeah. And then we got a cat. Her Go name is Jane. Mm-hmm. Um, I told Aaron that we could buy a cat because I was traveling a lot for work and in, in February on Valentine's day, I told her, Hey, we can buy a cat for your birthday in May. Yeah. And we had a cat like the 15th of February. Great. And then, um, when we moved into a house, we got a dog because also mm-hmm. I was traveling a lot and I wanted her to feel safe. Yeah. And both of those animals are attached to my wife. Um, Harriet. 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 Harriet's the dog. She's an 80 pound lovable therapy dog. She goes to work with my wife, um, Mm -hmm. who is a therapist. Mm -hmm. And then, um, we adopted our son Sterling, um, in August of 2020. So Mm -hmm. two great things to come out of 2020, everything else hogwash. Um, We adopted Sterling and I got a great promotion. So great. So tell me, so tell me, so I want to talk to you about the adoption process. I want to talk to you about what, what that was like. Um, also about, you know, being a same-sex couple and adoption. So tell me yeah. about that. Um, so it actually was a foster to adopt situation. Mm-hmm. Um, we, interestingly, um, in February of 2019, we had been talking about having a family, had tried a couple of times um, using a sperm donor. I've not gotten anywhere with that. Um, and we had a conversation. We were at Old Chicago, which now on Colorado Boulevard is closed forever. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Yeah. COVID. COVID. Okay. They closed pretty early on and the building's for lease. But wow. we were we were at Old Chicago, which is a, a place that we would go all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, on a Tuesday night, we had a chat and said, well, why don't we look into being a foster family? Mm-hmm. That Saturday, we got a phone call from a family member um, that there was a baby in the world and um, that he was in foster care. So 
family member had a child and that child immediately went to foster care mm-hmm. um, and would be, be interested in like fostering him until either his mom got through the process that she would need to go through to get him back yep. or long-term if we wanted to adopt him, that possibly was on the table as well. How did you and, get on this list to, of people to call? Yeah, the state of Hawaii actually, actually, the child was born in Hawaii. The state of Hawaii actually sent letters to family members. I'm not sure how they got that list of family members. I have not asked anyone that. Yeah. Okay. Um. So this was, was this is a cousin of cousin of yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Right. Um. So it was an aunt. So also someone who was her aunt or is her aunt. Um. Mm-hmm. And so. I had to reach out to my cousin's immediate family, her brother and mom, um, to say, you know, we would be happy to foster him and we just want, want her to get better. And if that means that, uh, this kiddo ended up in our home for a little while, great. If it was long-term great. Mm -hmm. Um, so that conversation continued and my, cousin ultimately decided she did not want to she wanted him to be adopted by us mm-hmm. um so she made and how, that how old was he at this point so he was born in january of 2019 so he, oh, was, so he about was like a, a month yeah a month and a half so it was yep. towards the end of february beginning of march yep when we got the phone call okay um we were working with the state of hawaii <laughs> through this whole process uh there's actually something called the interstate compact for the protection of children Mm-hmm. I know far too much about ICPC and okay. ICPC cases now. Okay. Um, I've learned a lot. I have lots of advice to offer people who are going through ICPC processes. Okay. It does vary by state. Uh, the state of Hawaii is a nightmare. Yay. <laughs> um, though I want to go back and vacation there and like mm-hmm. enjoy it and not be stressed out because the last time I went, it was just days of stress. So yeah. We um, didn't hear anything, didn't hear anything, didn't hear anything. Um, I did talk with my cousin, which was wonderful to mm-hmm. say, you know, um, we're happy to do whatever you want and whatever you think is best for your child. Yeah. And she was very relieved that we would adopt him and he would stay in the family. She wasn't in the place where she could take care of him long-term. How so, long did you, how long was the discussion between you and your wife that we are going to foster to adopt. Cause I think, I mean, that's a pretty big decision to make, right? Yeah. I mean, our thinking on fostering was always in the back of our mind. Like we're happy and, and we would like to foster more in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, even though this process has been hard. Yeah. Uh, it's something that we both feel like we want to do um, when we don't have a toddler in the house, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, the decision to like the foster to adopt thing there, there isn't like a moment in time that that happened. It was more, um, I mean, there was a lot of fear for us about that. We would foster him and have to then send him back. Yeah. Like that was more of the concern from our family Mm -hmm. in talking with us. Um, but there was no question. Like we want what's best for this kid, regardless of whether we have him long-term. Um, and I mean, it was fairly immediate that my cousin said, no, I want you to adopt him. So mm-hmm. that at that point, it was no question that we absolutely would do that. 
Yeah. Because long-term, we do want to have kids. Mm -hmm. So this was a way that we can have kids and and make a difference in Mm -hmm. his life. So we ended up um, kind of in April. We had to call Hawaii a lot, say, okay, here's who we are. Uh So I can't tell you between March and April, how many phone calls we made. And there were lots of strange conversations about visions that the other foster family had and things like that. It was, and it, well, that's I right. Because he was in foster, he was with in foster another care family. with a lovely, lovely, wonderful family sure. um, who are now not related family. to you, not related. Correct. To you. Yeah. Correct. Um, some of the trouble was I like some of the things we were told by the social workers weren't, mm. I don't think they were, they, I don't think they thought they were talking to the right. I mean, their caseloads are so ginormous. Yeah. They have so many kids that they're taking care of. Um, interestingly, I think we as kind of um, continental U.S. folks, we think of Hawaii as a lush island in the middle of the Pacific, mm-hmm. which it is. It's lovely. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed our time there. Mm-hmm. Um, though we stayed in a hotel, like we didn't stay in a resort when we went. We stayed in a hotel by the airport. And we drove around... Um, just doing a lot of waiting and sitting at the uh, shopping mall, which no tourists go to their shopping mall on Maui. Just they, they don't. Um, we sat in rocking chairs on in the in the shopping mall where we waited for a phone call yeah. back from the Department of Human Services. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of pain on the island as well. It's a very expensive place to live and uh, drug use is rampant and there's a lot of alcoholism. There's not a lot of mental health services. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of, um, resources for folks because traditionally a lot of social worker jobs don't pay very well. Yeah. So if you want to live on an Island and do something good for the world, um, Maui's probably not the place you're going to go because it's just expensive Mm -hmm. to, to do that work. And it's expensive to live there. Yeah. So, uh, we struggled with that sort of dichotomy of, I want to be kind and, um, caring of these social workers who obviously have a very difficult job and are out, uh, doing welfare checks all the time on kids mm-hmm. and also like answer my phone call. <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 There was, there was a point, Erin was very good at making phone calls and she would make them from her work from different phone numbers. <laughs> on her lunch breaks where she would just confuse them, um, calling from different lines. So they would pick up. They would pick up. Yeah. So I got to take all my throat. I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, by April, my cousin had terminated parental rights Mm -hmm. and that set off the chain of events for us to be able to then start foster care classes. Not- when your when your cousin terminated parental rights, could she say, "And I want these people to be my child's parents"? Like, how is that what she could do? Yeah, within the TPR. Okay. So the termination of parental rights is called a TPR in the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, within the TPR, it is named that she would like me and my spouse yes. um, to be the guardians. Okay. Um, Was there any problem with that being well, too women? Not at, not at that point. There were okay. times on the phone 
where there were comments made that perhaps you know a more traditional family would be a better fit for him like okay that's just not acceptable and that was some of the weird things that were happening in the conversations with the social workers when they were flipping through files on the phone Mm -hmm. uh saying Mm -hmm. oh which case is this again i don't know i mean honestly they really do have stacks of yeah I've, i've seen their offices there's just stacks of files of kids who were in the system yeah um so it wasn't really through a lot of those points just there was a lot of weird conversations when it came to Mm. our relationship with each other now like now you're married and um our social worker here in denver once we got started she was like well i don't need your marriage certificate and i said i'm giving you a copy of our marriage certificate because things have been strange (laughs) so and like why wouldn't Okay. All right. Denver, Denver didn't seem to care whether we were married or partnered or whatever. Well, but the mayor, I mean, the fact that you can sign your own marriage license in Denver shows, I mean, in Colorado shows you, you know, the, stre- people, the, yeah. the strength of their interest in marital law. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is true. You can't. Whatever. Um, and we, I mean, we, we had a officiant who would sign ours just because we want it to be as, oh, I know. Yeah. as humanly possible. I've actually, yes. That's well, we, well, you signed them too. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we actually got married the week after it became legal in Colorado and, um, we weren't, we were planning to have a civil union and then suddenly it was like, well, we can go get a, a marriage license. Do you want to? Yep. So yep. We did. Um, yep. so in any case, yeah, th- we started, um, foster care classes in May of 2019 um so that's all regulated by the interstate compact on the protection of the icpc protection of children each state gets to set their own rules for what other what people in other states have to do great um hawaii requires you to be certified as a foster care provider okay which meant and they were slow in every single process for everything Mm -hmm. um but that meant that we had to get certified, which meant um, 29 hours of classes wow, and a full home study before we could be approved for placement. Wow. So um, the, interestingly, that curriculum that we had to go through in mm-hmm. those classes is, was written in 2003. Um, my wife who works with high-risk folks, she just would regularly say, well, that's not evidence-based. So like, she just would raise her hand and say, this is not evidence-based and I don't think you should be doing it. Um, it, was re- it was painful for both of us just because yeah. I mean, we're both smart women. We have master's degrees. Yeah. There are a lot of people who don't have master's degrees who are also smart people who have to go through this class. Right. Um, right. But we have a lot of education between the two of us. And to have to sit on every Saturday for so many hours. Cause it was mm-hmm. seven hours every Saturday for four Saturdays or something. Oh, gosh. Oh. Um, it was hard, mm-hmm. very difficult. And everybody else in the class had custody of the kids in their care. And in Colorado, if you get certified as a kinship provider, then there's money available um, because so many kids who end up in the system even if a family member were to take them, that mm-hmm. family member may not have the resources to provide for them. So right, it's, right. it's two people's ad- 
advantage to be certified as a kinship home. Yeah. So we were in a class with kinship people, um, not in a kind of regular foster care class. Okay. If we do choose to foster in the future, we have to go back and take the regular foster care class. Fantastic. That's fun. Same curriculum though. We did write a letter of complaint. (laughs) Good job. 17 year old curriculum, probably not the right fit. So, and and again, you, at this point, you do not have the child is not with you at this point. No, um, we've had a couple of, uh, talks with a judge, like phone calls. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, we had what's called an Ohana conference in May. And during the Ohana conference, uh, we, we got to meet over the phone. We got to meet the, um, current resource caregivers. That's the new terminology for foster parents. Oh, okay. Um, so people who provide resources and care for your children. So we got to talk with them. And during that, it was requested that we have regular phone video calls with him. Um, that's, it's tough to do with the time change difference. And how old was he? He would have, would have been four months, (laughs) five months. Does, does he know what a phone, like, does he even know what's happening? No, he just would, we would just talk to him on video calls. So he would hear our voices and, um, all of that. So while we're also doing the classes, then we're having the home study, which a home study is a wonderfully invasive process where they ask you your entire life story and then write it down. Um, part of that, it's about like my story with Aaron Mm. and then also you go back to your childhood and you relive every single negative thing that ever happened and positive things, but they seem to really ask a lot of questions about all the negative things that happened. Um, so do you think a version of that should be done for anyone wanting to be a parent, regardless yes. of the way in which they have the child? Cause that I do feel, think it would feel more fair. Right. 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 There were times when I would be talking to friends who are parents mm-hmm. who were like, they just made sure the car seat fit. And then they sent me on my way. Whereas, um, our favorite question mm-hmm. during all of the process, uh, is the last question. And I don't know this it's protected. Like you're, you can't Google and find the questions they're going to ask okay. you. Okay. But the very last question they ask at the very first interview is, can you describe your nudity practices in the home? Oh I'm not kidding. Oh and here's the thing you can't, you can't laugh because then they're probably like, it's like when I had to take my psych eval, you know, I was laughing at like the questions that were like, you know, do you like to start fires? But then I was like, great. If I start laughing, then they're going to think I'm insane. So then, so, you know, it's like, how do you temper your face to just be like, our nudity practices are blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Thankfully the person. I don't even know what I would say. I walked to my my bedroom sometimes naked because I was coming from the shower like what whatever I yeah it was a question that I was not (laughs) expecting and And do they also do they do it separately do they do the spouses separately so so that we had three different visits for the interview and the first one's together Mm -hmm. and the second one is separate yeah and the third one is together oh my god and before you do all of them you have to fill out like a form yeah. Um, and answer a b- bunch of questions. Uh-huh. 
and then uh, the one, the one where we had to do separately, we had, you had to fill something out together. Mm-hmm. Then Aaron mm-hmm. left okay. and I got interviewed and okay. they ask about the different answers. Cause you answer a lot of questions about your spouse. So like, they're trying to figure out, are you trying to lie? Are you telling the truth or do your, in- I mean, yeah, it's wow. an invasive process. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, the person doing the home study mm-hmm. takes all of that home and then wrote like a 30 page thing about us as humans wow. and a couple. Did you get to read it? Um, you're not supposed to be able to, but the people from Hawaii sent us ours accidentally. <laughs> like a book now. He like made our well, I story. It. I have it. I'm going to keep it forever. Nudity <laughs> practices, page 12. It's in there. <laughs> so oh my God. I mean, and it, it asks everything you could possibly think of. And yeah. ultimately that person's who makes the determination if you're a fit home or not. Yeah. So you're determined to be a fit home. And yes. what I, not to fast forward too much, but what I remember is you, you got official ruling that you could adopt, but you didn't know when that would happen. And you would just have to drop everything and fly to Hawaii. Am I, Correct. I know I'm skipping a lot of stuff, but no, that's good. Yeah. Um, kind of mid July, we got the official word that we were approved and that was being sent to Hawaii. And then we called yeah. every single day and they stopped answering the phone and we emailed every day and they never responded and okay, it's going to be soon. It's going to be soon. It's going to be soon. Um, and then we hit a point in mid August that we looked at flights, uh, thankfully Southwest now flies to Maui from Denver. They do. Mm-hmm. And we looked at flights and they were crazy cheap for the next day. We were like, it has been six weeks. Uh, I guess by that point it had been a month. And, um, it, it, let's just buy these and go and see what happens. Uh Uh-huh. Wow. So I bought tickets on a Thursday night for flight, a flight on a Friday evening, I think, Mm -hmm. or Saturday morning. First thing. Mm Mm-hmm. We got into Maui late on Saturday. So it must've been Saturday morning we left. And um, then Sunday, the plan was that Sunday we would just enjoy our last day as a couple, Mm -hmm. Um, go to beaches, eat good food, all of that, Mm -hmm. which we did. And then Monday we, I mean, and, and we wrote them and said, okay, we're, we're coming. We'll be there Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Please make arrangements. Um, Monday morning came, we started calling the social work office. Like we're here. <laughs> You've been telling us all of this or so like that we've been approved. So I don't understand what's taking so long. Right. Um, and, and some of it is there's a timeline involved. Like if a child is with a foster family for X number of months, then it's probably better for them to stay with that foster family. Even Mm -hmm. if there's a kinship family, then the, there is legislation that was passed that, um, the, it's called the family first families first act, I believe that is supposed to default to families. Um, some Mm -hmm. of the, some of the thinking through the 80s and 90s was the apple doesn't fall far from the tree and so they were actually trying to kids who were born or lived in bad homes they were trying to keep them away from their family i see yeah okay um and that the all of the that's not 
that's not evidence-based at all at all <laughs> okay Aaron. Aaron would say a lot of that <laughs> um so now they are trying to keep people with families okay as much as they can so uh on Monday we showed up and we that's when we sat in the rocking chairs in the in the mall yep um there are birds it's an open-air mall there's just birds mm. everywhere it's beautiful uh not many stores in the mall though and I'm guessing they're probably less now which is yeah. disappointing yeah. um and they said okay 8 a.m tuesday come to this address and you'll get to meet him and um at that point we we had flights home on wednesday we were like we really would like to just take him home with us but if we yeah. can't if we need to cancel these flights because you can on southwest please yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and we went through a lot of conversations and finally tuesday mid-morning we had a plane ticket with his name on it for the wednesday morning flight we spent the day with him Tuesday and got How on How was plane. that? Like, that was the first time you met him, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like we picked him up and it was just, um, the social worker even said to us, he looks like he belongs with you. Oh, he was so happy and just sort Aww. of a delightful baby. Um, yeah. he didn't really sleep through the night. For he was, he was time, how old but- at this point? almost seven seven months months. seven months almost seven months okay um so yeah we 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 had some people we went and saw Mm -hmm. and um introduced him to or let them say goodbye to him and we Mm -hmm. did have to drop him back off with the foster family wednesday or tuesday night into wednesday okay and then they brought him to the airport and the social worker did not come which was shocking but uh as she told us I go above me on for a lot of things, but I don't do early mornings. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank um, you. And so the the foster family handed him to us and we got in security and we walked in and then took off on a plane. Oh my God. <laughs> um, it was wild. We actually had a wow. layover in San Diego. Maybe. No, Oakland. It was Oakland. Okay. So we had a layover in Oakland. Yeah. And, um, at some point Aaron said to someone, they were like, Oh, he said he was such a good baby on the flight. And Aaron goes, yeah, we met him yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. (laughs) Um, and so we had been told like, we got back to Denver, everything was fine. The social Mm -hmm. workers show up and check Mm -hmm. in on us every month. Okay. We had been told it'd be six months of him having placement with us, uh, to, um, then be able to adopt him. And so that would have meant by like March, I think we were, we had an adoption on the books. Mm -hmm. Well, the paperwork didn't get filed in the state of Hawaii whatsoever. None of it. Uh, the social worker started working on it the week of the adoption. Um, and so it got pushed out to May and then she didn't do it then. And then they, my, cousin's name was spelled wrong on the termination of parental rights so that actually invalidated it and they had to re-terminate the rights oh my gosh and um we got blamed for that one I was I was like well why didn't you point out that her name was spelled wrong and I thought that's not my job to dig through all this paperwork no right um so it was basically a full year and 11 days before the adoption went through and at which the was adoption, like what, just a couple weeks ago, right? Well, it was August 25th. Oh, that's right. Okay. So August 25th, it was a video adoption. 
what we learned later, which we kept telling them, like, do we, or we kept asking them, do we need to come back? Do we need to come back? Do we need to come back to uh, Maui? And they kept saying, oh no, we'll figure it out. The only reason we didn't have to was because of COVID. COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, Otherwise we would have had to have gone back uh, for the adoption. So thankfully we didn't have to go back for the adoption because that would have been a lot. Um, (laughs) But it was so strange to be like in a courtroom we couldn't hear everything that was going on uh, and being said by the people in the room itself. But okay. at some point the judge said something that indicated to us that maybe we might be done. And then people cheered in the courtroom. I was like, well, maybe I guess that's it. <laughs> we did it. It was sort of anticlimactic in a way. Oh. And then the social was like, social worker said, we got this done in under a year. No, you didn't. <laughs> And um, I feel like you should just try to get it done. Our case was easy comparatively. Yeah, yeah. Uh, most people who adopt, like the term from the foster care system, mm-hmm. the termination of parental rights is hard. Um, it's often not an infant who doesn't know anything. I mean, yeah. by the time he got here, like he was, he was never upset with us and just sort of fell into our family in a way that it does feel like he was meant to be with us and he loves um he loves us both he's very just like our animals are attached to Aaron he is also attached to Aaron she's great I mean so are you so technically everybody (laughs) wins in the Aaron game it's true she's pretty good she's a pretty good lady yes um so he's just started to sort of differentiate between us. He is now, he'll be two in January. Uh-huh. Um, and he calls her mommy and I am okay. mama. He knows the difference between us now. Yeah. Um, but yeah. then she gets a whole lot of mommy, mommy, mommy these days, which, you know, it's hard. Uh, when she leaves, he throws a fit. When I leave, he says, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, everybody's got to be that parent. So you're doing a good job to- taking that just because you have to. Yeah. It's totally yeah. fine. So this so. is, so I just, I, you know, I just, I'm thinking back to the, just the, the beautiful coincidence of you all talking about this and then, you know, going through trying yourselves to get pregnant. And then, you know, basically like within 24 hours, kind of having this thrown at you and it's, and it working out in such a wonder. I mean, I know it was tedious and, but it's also only one year of her, his life. Right. And I, I don't, I know you'll always remember it, but I don't think he will, you know? Right. Right. Like he's oh, your, he, he's I mean, your he's, kid. That's it. He knows where he's supposed to be. And yeah, um, he's really happy with it. And, you know, long-term he gets to be a part of his larger family. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll get to know some of the same stories that, yeah, you know, um, my cousin and I, grew up knowing mm-hmm. um and it's a really strengthened the relationship I have with my cousin's immediate family as well yeah. and I mean it's he not- know will you what's the openness like what will you what will you tell him when he's a little older what, oh we plan had- to be age specifically appropriate with yeah. sharing um and do want to share all of it with him and you know if at some point my cousin wants to, and I, I told her this on the phone if she wants to be in his life, mm-hmm. she can be in his life, but there will be rules and yep. there will be guidelines to follow. Yep. And I think that's um, fair. Uh, Absolutely. 
so, I mean, we do plan, we're hopeful to be able to go visit Maui for a less stressful trip. Like I said, um, maybe I I have to go at there. a less stressful time too, not in a pandemic. <laughs> That's true. This is true. Whatever. Um, the sticking point, we just kept not getting his birth certificate and not getting his birth certificate. And I had to send, this is an interesting piece of this. I had to send the application for the birth certificate twice. Because the first one they sent me to fill out mm-hmm. said father and mother. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting as a same-sex couple. So I immediately yeah. contacted the social worker who had sent us the paperwork and said, I'm, I don't really want to be listed as the father on this. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I was pretty direct about it. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason I would like, I would be that person is Erin did change her name when we got married. Um, so she does have a maiden name and I don't. So, right. uh, so it said father and mother. And so mm-hmm. we were instructed, okay, cross father out and write what you want it to be. And it can be mother or mother. Like it can be mother, mother. It can be co-parent, co-parent. It can mm-hmm. be parent parent it could be a lot of things there was a list of yeah. things they sent us it could be but also why doesn't it just say parent parent to begin with like but exactly. whatever well okay. and the sticking point about the maiden name like one of the lines says that it needs to be a maiden name how antiquated is that because honestly the majority of my friends and my sister-in-law and sister have not changed their name so they yeah. technically are in the same boat as you they don't have maiden names because their last name is still the name that they had growing up and that is such a western thing too because so many countries like people don't change their whatever okay anyways that's maddening it, so yeah the first time it came i i was instructed cross out father and then once i had to overnight that back to Hawaii because we uh-huh. were on a time crunch because that included a lot of documentation for the adoption itself yeah um the next day after it had been received the social worker was like oh I need you to fill out this one that actually says mother and mother couldn't you have just sent that to me in the yeah family? hello um and I said well you'll be paying for this I will send you the receipts which I didn't expect that I would actually get a check in the mail but I did I did get a oh, check good. in the mail for my priority mail back good. to them um well, I called a couple of weeks ago, the vital records office, and they were like, oh, you need to talk to the, the vital records corrections office. And so I did. And she was like, oh, um, I have the adoption degree here, but there's no application. So just tell me what you want the, the birth certificate to say, and I'll go make sure that it gets to you. What? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So I told her what I wanted it to say. Yeah. Mother, mother, it's fine. Um, I ordered a couple of, she made me order them on the internet and then call her back with some order number. I Good. don't, I can't Sounds explain great. any of that. Um, I ordered two copies. Mm-hmm. One came in the mail and then it also spelled Aaron's name wrong. Her mm-hmm. middle, her middle, great. middle maiden name. Um, great. So, and it says, it also says mother maiden name and has my name and then mother name and it has Aaron's name. It's not a big deal in the grand scheme of things, but I like sent them the application how we wanted it to be. Yeah. That piece of paper is gone. (laughs) So anyway, we'll have to call Your names are sort of on a very legal document. Okay, that's great. Yeah. Gosh. Well, unfortunately, I can't talk to you for hours and hours about this, even though I really want to. And so I I will end by saying that it sounds as though everyone is happy, everyone is healthy, and this is 
been a definite huge change for your family, but also the best change. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So now because you've shared your story, um, it is time to switch gears and you get to ask me anything you want for my moment of vulnerability. I was thinking about this and I have to add a caveat. Oh, great. Um, (laughs) My caveat is pretend capitalism doesn't exist. So in a world where you don't have to work for money. Oh my God. Okay. But you do have to work. So imagine that like, yeah, yeah. I I would honestly, if I didn't have to work for money, I would have to work in some capacity. I couldn't just. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, as I was thinking about this, I was like, I got to take capitalism out of the equation because some people would just answer why I do nothing. What would you do with your life if you didn't, you like money's no object. You don't yep. have to worry about anything yep. at all. Yep. What'd you be doing? What would you be doing right now? Oh man. I mean, you know, my first, I feel like I'm going to be long-winded because I don't know if I have an actual like X is what I would be doing. It would have to have to be with kids of some capacity, in some capacity, <clears throat> some capacity, um, I mean, hell, if I could, if I could just travel around and go to schools or go to camps or, or something and just like be this like weirdo who like talks about happiness and joy and like finding silliness in the life. I mean, just like, just something that would totally be like, I don't want to be like a clown or anything, but like, but just, you know, just like instilling in kids, especially kids who like, you know, are so broken by this. I mean, I think about like, you know, with your son, like, I'm not saying he's broken, but I I feel like, you know, I've always, okay, now I'm totally switching gears because I've actually always wanted to do like some sort of camp, either a day camp or a sleepover camp, whatever that, that deals with, that deals with that um, whose clientele is marginalized kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, but that's not just like, you know, that's by all sorts of, you know, social locations, right? Like if it's either economically or ethnically, or, you know, if it was a foster kid, like I'd love to have like, do like a camp where like, if, if, you know, a family invites a, a child either as a foster or as a adopted, you know, and they have other kids to like have a camp where it's like, let's just create bonds with each other. And like, you know, I think that I'd love to be involved in relation build. Maybe this is it. I'd love to be involved in relation building with kids, Hmm. Um, either with themselves, you know, really strengthening themselves or really strengthening who they are within a community. I just think that that would be really fun. What I would do. I mean, as I said, like, I'm just silly and weird and I like, you know, my biggest joy in life, especially in COVID times, is I have some little neighbors who like draw chalk and like surprise me, you know, and it's like the most joyful thing. Cause it's so simple, but it's like, I was talking to one of the little girl's dads today and I said, oh my gosh, like this is such a beautiful drawing and her, and she wasn't there. And he said, she'll be so thrilled to know how excited you were. Right. So, I mean, it's just those little things that like, I just, I would just love to be able to um, instill that in, in kids a bit more. And also like, I hate the fact that like even preteens are like so sexualized and so like forced to grow up so much these, like, I just want kids to be like, have fun, Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
you have to be, you have to be lame and boring for like the majority of your life. So why not, you know, be allowed to like get really messy and like, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Does that even I make sense? Like, does that make sense? Like, absolutely. I mean, as you were talking, all I could think of was, oh, our other common theme is that we've both been youth ministers. And yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to go back to that life, but no. the, thing, the things I miss out of it were that, you know, yep. I have, I had these two boys who would skip school and come hang out in my office with me. And I was, I was not smart enough to know that they were skipping school at yeah. 20, when I was 23, 24, right. and they were 17. Yeah. And they just came and, but like, yeah. if they're going to skip school and hang out with the weirdo in the church office, right, right, is that right. okay? Probably, honestly. Yeah. They you know, and I think, worse things. I think with, with, you know, cause I was the same, like I was 22 when I started being a youth minister and like, I don't, I don't think that there was ever really an unsafe situation, but I do think back now as like a 40 year old. And I'm just like, I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. Like I, you know, I was in charge, like kind of legally of like 60 kids sometimes. And like, I was just like, well, let's go play this dumb game where everyone hides around a castle. And I'm assuming you're not going to go off into the woods. I don't really, you know, like all this stuff where I'm just like, like my first youth minister um, overnight ever, kids were smoking weed. I was 22, they were 17. I had to bring them into a room and be like, uh, I don't know how I'm supposed to solve this. Like, I was just like, you guys are jerks and idiots. Like, what's your, like, why would you do this? You know, just stop being dumb. But I also was like, great, I gotta be the adult and like set a, an example. And so I like brought the hammer down and I made them all go home even though they were all crying like you know almost grown boys and I was just like I gotta I gotta set the rules but like I was 22 I had no idea what was going on yeah <laughs> now I look back and think they let me drive a 15 passenger van yeah like years and years with so okay. many kids in it. right and like the weird the, the crazy thing too is that like that's that's the norm of youth ministry, right? Like, especially in mainline denominations, but honestly, anywhere. And I think, I think even across um, religious contexts too, right? Like in a, in a temple, like there's probably some sort of youth person who's in their mid twenties who can, who they're like, oh, you can relate to the kids, but also like relate to the adults. And I don't know, like, it, but it was also always so weird because, like, in our Christian ed meetings, you know, they would always say things like, "We need to do like contemporary service because that's what the kids like, and that's what the young adults like." And they would look at me, and I'd go like, "I hate that." <laughs> I'm like, but I'm not the only human that like you know exists in this world. But if I'm going to be your person to tell you what I like and don't like, I do not want to listen to Christian rock music. That makes me want to scream. So. Yeah you know, it's, it's these weird, like assumptions about, and, and I also feel like with all the like memes about youth ministry, like some of them are really true and some of them are really terrible. Cause I'm just mm -hmm. like, we weren't that bad. Like I just wanted my kids to be happy and to feel like they mattered. Yeah. I didn't care yeah. that they, if they believed in God, like, I was just like, if this is a community that feeds you, that's all that I care about. Right. You know? Yeah. So that's yeah. why those boys probably were coming to your office. Cause they were just like, this one sees me. Right. And that's yeah. the thing I feel like. And that's another thing that like to add on to my, cause I'll just keep talking. 
I think I just want people, I just want kids as well as adults, but I like kids much more than adults. Like I just want them to feel seen and that they matter, you know? Yeah. I mean, junior high was always my favorite because they just would say these off the wall things, but they also retained information and didn't care whether we were doing the cool thing or not. Um, I always said that junior high was my favorite age because they're malleable enough to have their mind changed, but they have their own opinions. Mm-hmm. Like in high school, they're done. I mean, you can't, they're not going to have a conversation where they go, wow, I never thought of it that way. They're just going to be like, you're stupid. I, the end. Right. But junior high kids, I don't know something about them. Like maybe I'm just perpetually a junior high kid. Yeah. I mean, I feel that way too, as far as, I mean, I would, I would gear all my lessons for high schoolers, but because the junior yep. high kids didn't care, but really the junior high kids got more out of it. And I'm still in touch with all the, not all, but a lot of the junior high kids, the yep. high school kids all you know, wrote me off yeah. quickly after I left. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've officiated a couple of weddings of my, of my youth kids and it's, it's a powerful thing, you know, to, to be a part. I feel like it's probably what a lot of teachers feel like, right. You know, yeah. that there's a difference that you've made, even if you don't really remember. Right. So anyways, well, that's a fun answer. I liked that. I'm glad. Thanks. Thanks. If anyone out there can find that job for me that I don't know, pays about a hundred thousand dollars. (laughs) Um, I would be appreciative and then I can just move on and, um, you know, live my best life. So I am so thankful to you for sharing your story and opening up your, um, family home to, to the, to the listeners. And I, um, look forward to the time when we can, be sitting in Lady Justice without a mask and you can pour me anything but an IPA. I'll just talk to, I'll talk to you about all the beers the whole time. Oh, and um, you'll try I to will, convince me. That I'm also going to find good. an IPA that you're going to like. So mm-hmm. impossible. It's I not impossible. It. I, know, I just drank a hard. milk stout and it was delicious. Oh, it's so I delicious. expected it. So oh. Uh, Julie once asked me to bring her Lugene chocolate milk stout, but they didn't brew it. And I from found Odell's, it at the liquor from store. From Odell's, Odell's. Mm. Um, and I found it at the liquor store uh, two weeks ago when I texted you. And yep. then I went to another liquor store on Monday and they didn't have it. So today yeah. I uh, had an early release from work and went to the store I saw it at so I could buy some and make some. proud of you. Dollars. It's not too chocolatey. It's pretty no, good. No, it's not. It's, there's just such, oh God, it's like such a smooth, perfect beer. Yeah. Fine. yeah I've, I've been enjoying, I've been enjoying a darker beer, the, um, but I've been more on the porter end of things because they tend to be a little more bitter. Yeah. And that's why I, I will drink a porter, but I don't always love the bitterness of it. But anyways, that's for another time. That's for like maybe another podcast called, hi, it's beer. It's coming. It will come. I will pitch this forever. And I, I have a fancy it's... microphone now, so I've got to do it. Yep. I love the microphone. Let's move forward with it. Um, this podcast is sponsored by Sure, the microphone friends. <laughs> well, thank you again, Laura. And I will hopefully talk to you sometime very soon. Um, and I'm so, I'm just so happy for you and your family. Well, All thank right. you so I'll much. Talk to you. I am so lucky to know such incredible, thoughtful people, and I thank you for listening. 
come back soon for another episode of It's Just You and Me.